Hey everybody, this is Mark Iskowitz, MMNM Executive Editor, and welcome to the MMNM Podcast. This week I'm speaking with Dr. John Reeves, founder and CEO at Conversation Health, and Lexi Kaplan, Chief Product Officer for the company, which is based in Toronto. And we're going to speak about how pharma is harnessing AI and messaging and chatbots to change the way it communicates. But first, as we always do, a few housekeeping items. First, uh, MMNM's first annual 40 Under 40 list will be revealed online February 11th. Speaking of that, tickets for the 40 Under 40 event are on sale now, and the event takes place on May 12 in NYC. Uh, also, applications for another new event, the MMNM Pitch Slam, are open until February 20th. Also, the MMNM Awards launched last week, so the uh, awards entry site is open. And uh, the uh, Healthcare Marketers Survey is in the field now, so if you haven't seen that, uh, please please take a look. And if you're one of the qualifying um, you know, respondents, uh, we, we'd love to hear from you about your marketing budgets. And last but not least, next month is Data Month at MMNM. So besides our February issue, which for the past couple of years has been dubbed the data issue, thanks to its focus on healthcare data and analytics as it pertains to healthcare marketing, throughout the month we'll be featuring a number of guests on this podcast who have a unique perspective on data. And we're getting an early start here with John and Lexi. So uh, how are you both doing? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Sure, of course. Thanks for coming down. You're in studio uh, from Toronto, which we really appreciate. Our pleasure to come down. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, talking about uh, the Raptors and basketball earlier, and uh, we realized we have to get a podcast to do here. But uh, you know, I we think I saw uh, you crying a bit. Is that true? Or? Well, you know, as a, as a Philly fan, you know, okay. that, that's still um, you know that, that one still hurts. But uh, you know, it's a new year, as it they is. say. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, we're going to talk about uh, again chatbots uh, as they pertain to pharma. And uh, but at first, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the roots of the company. You know, Conversation Health actually grew out of your. 17-year-old daughter's startup, Emoji Health. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, and I think that's not uh, that unusual nowadays in innovation and technology. So I was running an accelerator program in Toronto. And uh, over the two years I was running that, I had you know hundreds of young entrepreneurs coming in. Uh, Lexi was one of them. At that point, she was about 22 years old. <laughs> and it's not wasn't hard to see that she was a unicorn and was someone we mm. wanted to work with in the future. But that summer, my daughter had been through uh, an experience the previous school year when her best friend was diagnosed with anorexia. And mm. Alexander had gone online. Unlike or much like every uh, young uh, individual searching for health information and, and, all, and adults, and went to Google. And she experienced the traditional or the typical Google uh, scenario where she was getting a lot of misinformation. And in the case of anorexia, some very dangerous information. And so she came to me that summer and said, you know, Dad, can I come into the accelerator program? Can I build something? And of course, when she came in, my expectation was, from my background, that she would build a website or maybe an app to resolve this issue. But very quickly, what she showed me uh, kind of made my eyes uh, light up. And that was that was because she had actually gone down the road of conversational AI. She had tried mm -hmm. to adapt technology, which is the experience of teenagers using messaging platforms mm -hmm. to solve this business case or her challenge as a, as a young woman trying to find that information. Mm -hmm. uh, after it was built, uh, we sent her down to Exponential Medicine and a couple other pitch competitions. But at Exponent Exponential Medicine, she won the one to watch award. She pitched against uh, 50 other startups. And at that point, a large uh, pharma company came up to her out of Europe and said, Alexandra, love where this huh. is going. Uh, we have some teen products. Would you be able to come and consult with us about how we move our business into this new conversational age? Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And uh, at that time, well, in, in your background, I know you were a global digital director for McCann. 
Um, and then, uh, and you said you and, you and Lexi started working together when she was one of the entrepreneurs who came in uh, to to uh, to be part of this accelerator program. Yeah, absolutely. Alexandra had to go to school, so she was uh, she quickly moved into Stanford. She's an engineer now, and, oh, right, right. and so with that void, which was uh, a void, uh, Lexi more than filled in because she's an experienced engineer. Uh, she has a big background in innovation, so yeah. that's how uh, Lexi joined the business at that point. Okay, and and your daughter is now at Stanford studying engineering. Yes, yeah, she's said, in, yeah. she's in yeah. third year now. Yeah, third year. Very nice. That's very impressive. Okay, um, so uh, you know, just let's set the basis base, basics here. You know, what do you think people need to know about the topic of conversational AI and, and machine learning? Sure. So, first of all, conversational AI is used to cover a large breadth of topics. But when we say conversational AI, we're talking about natural language processing and natural language understanding, used predominantly for chatbots or voice skills to be able to engage with your patients, consumers, healthcare professionals coming from a brand. It's really powerful because we can now have these friction-free conversations wherever your HCPs or, or patients are looking to engage with you today, being able to reduce the friction of, say, going to your website and trying to find a very specific piece of information or filtering through a product monograph and simply mm -hmm. allowing a user to ask. What you end up seeing a lot in the industry, and I think one of the big trends of 2020, is that there are some chatbots that are available that are either completely closed text and button driven or highly dependent on keywords. The reality is this really just doesn't work because it doesn't reduce that friction and actually solve the use case of having a chatbot or a voice skill in this industry. Part of what's really important to consider when you're looking at an NLU or NLP engine is its ability to understand healthcare jargon. So NLU is the ability to understand of the thousands of different questions that, say, your healthcare professionals have about your brands. What are the distinct intents of their questions? What are the key answers they're looking for mm -hmm. of the thousands of different ways they can ask about, say, dosing or indication and others? Keywords don't work because if you think about the real questions that an HCP or patient has, let's say they're saying the word headache and asking, is this going to give me a headache? It gave me a headache. Or is it four headaches? John brought up a really good example earlier of even saying uh, this medication uh, treatment plan is really annoying and it's giving me headaches. So mm -hmm. there's obviously a lot of different, right. a lot of different questions use of in the that. term. Or right, yes, sure. Absolutely. So so and, and you mentioned a number of uh, different sort of use cases there, but the user could be an HCP or it could be a consumer patient, right? Mm -hmm. right? Exactly, and importantly, they use different languages. If you're, say, a patient who's early on in your diagnosis mm -hmm. versus been living with a condition for years, you use different jargon. And so it's important to have an NLU engine that can understand the unique jargon of healthcare, just like you would need a uh, NLU that understands all of the minute differences of the financial industry if you're a building sure. there. Today, there's really sure. no conversational AI technology that works across every industry, and you're really seeing the best use cases of this of highly focused, industry-specific AI engines. Hmm, fascinating. Okay, great. So but, um, I'll just, yeah. just pile a bit on that. So, yeah, okay. I mean, Lexi yeah. talked about NLU. NLU is what actually opens up the ability for uh, open text bots. That's the ability for the user to actually ask their question. Right, and in the world of healthcare, that's that's the way life is. When I was practicing medicine and patients were with me, I couldn't tell them not to talk. Right, they want the floor, they want to ask questions. So if we are going to be successful in this world of conversational AI, we do need to be able to open bots up and allow users to ask the questions they have and then answer those questions. Absolutely, the most critical part now in this next horizon of conversational AI. Right. So there's some things that you can predict, and certain things you can't predict. 
but you try to do it the best you can. Well, absolutely. In healthcare, we're lucky because you know we can predict the portfolio of conversations that we need to create in advance. So if we are building a bot, let's kind of use a use case of a consumer or a patient bot, we can actually predict the conversation sets that we need to build in advance. Lexi will probably talk about some of the regulatory issues, but you know all of these conversations need to go through MLR. They sure. need to be approved, they need to be expert, and that's actually a good thing. It means that these conversations can be really expert, really accurate, and on message. Mm-hmm. And so we have the ability to predict those conversations, create the conversations, and Lexi, maybe you can talk about how do we connect the dots between the utterance, which is the question, and those conversations. Absolutely. So this is where we create these taxonomies to understand not just the top, say, 20 frequently asked questions about a brand, but rather what is the world of questions that either a healthcare professional, a consumer, a patient has about a brand or a therapeutic area. So we can really distill it down to about four to 500 distinct intents or let's say, conversation topics, that behind each of them has a business rule associated with it. Either that's a conversation, maybe it's an FAQ response, or it's an escalation to a human or some other resource that you have available. This really then becomes the brain of your technology and means that it's highly compliant and something that you can bring through these kinds of uh, industry-regulated Sure, sure, because it's it's pre-planned yes. as much as possible. And you have a team of these medical taxonomists and, and medical writers who are drafting uh, these decision trees. So we'll, we'll get into mm-hmm. that. We've okay. kind of scratched the surface here, but uh, uh, it's really fascinating. So um, moving along here, AI is a technology which has been in, in existence really since the 50s. Uh, a few years ago, it rebranded as, mm-hmm. as the term machine learning. Um, but and we saw the first consumer use of IBM's cognitive technology for advertising back in the summer of 2016, as I recall when GSK Consumer Healthcare's Theraflu signed on with Watson ads to develop a new wave of ads that people could communicate with. Uh, When did other pharma brands really start leveraging this technology? Sure. So we've been around since about 2017 or so, uh, predicating from Alexandra's Emoji Health chatbot Mm -hmm, that John mm -hmm. was talking about a little bit earlier, which started in 2016. And this is really where you started to see a lot of the commercial applications of AI in healthcare, which were really fascinating to see. Because we were working with a number of pharmaceutical companies at the time from 2016, 2017, 2018, and beyond, it's been really fascinating to see the evolution of their confidence in the technology. In 2017, there were a lot of companies trying their first brand in pilots or internal use cases to be able to test it out and almost prove the technology to themselves, ensure that it works, that it's compliant. It's that compliant, it actually, right. Yes. Well, the C word. <laughs> that, that'll eat their, meet their mm-hmm. MLR team's demands. Mm-hmm. But as we then got into 2018, you see... You saw a lot of these actually getting to market, engaging with consumers, healthcare professionals, and others. And I'd say that the trend of last year and going into this year is really one of scale. Of the companies that we're working with, you're really seeing that vision to have this kind of technology available for every brand, every customer touchpoint, every country. And for that, you really need a scalable technology that'll be able to meet all those demands in a really compliant way. Sure. And that's one of the the big opportunities that we're seeing for conversational AI currently. Okay. Yep. Yeah, great. And just to add yeah. on to that, I think, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having been, been being a bit of a dinosaur and having been here through the first two horizons, the the, the web and let's call it the social app horizon, you know, both those horizons, we expected our users to come and learn our information architecture. Whereas in this new third horizon, the conversational AI horizon, we're actually going to consumers the way they want to engage, which is very simple language, right? Um, I think that in those first two horizons, pharma was a significant laggard behind every other uh, industry or vertical. What we're seeing in conversational AI is much more of a fast follower. 
I think some of that's predicated on the fact that pharma understands or is using AI in a very powerful way around drug discovery. But just now, I think, you know, what we're seeing is that the commercial teams, the med info teams, the clinical trial teams are now recognizing that AI will be a massive business transformation for them as well. And so they're looking at how to apply that to drive efficiency, how to drive customer delight. These are the things that they're now looking at. I think they're, we're seeing rapid movement now because they now feel comfortable. They now know it's going to be MLR compliant. They now know that they can use open text, all the things that their users want. Mm-hmm. So it's two follow-ups. Mm-hmm. First of all, I meant to ask you earlier, what kind of medicine did you practice when you uh, I was a, a primary care physician in Canada, and mm-hmm. that means we get hit with everything, right? Mm-hmm. And that means that our patients are often more knowledgeable about us in a particular condition because we're managing these patients in almost all aspects of sure. their clinical course, sure. right? We hear about that quite frequently, especially with rare diseases, right? The patient comes in, they're very much up on the disease, and it might not be something the physician sees quite a lot. Absolutely. And this is one of the, the issues with Google, right, is that mm-hmm. these patients are often misinformed, right? And so, I mean, part of my right. journey has been, able to, has been the challenge of putting the right information into the patient's hand at the right time. That can alleviate a lot of the, the pain points for physicians and actually make it synergistic with what our goals and objectives are. So that experience, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really sort of brought home the the, the importance of having uh, something that can answer questions compliantly and quickly and helpfully, you know, online, you know, in an automated sort of fashion. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. So one thing I would say, and I think we've all experienced that this is that those moments that you spend with your physician your pharmacist, your nurse educator, that five or six minutes, whatever that may be, are the most critical moments right now in your uh, clinical or healthcare journey. Right. I think we all can agree to that, right? Yes, That's a moment yes. of truth. When you when you when you say, God forbid, you want the information, you want you want to make decisions based on knowledge. As and much it's as a you conversation. Can. It's a it's a yeah. back and forth. That's the powerful moment. The problem, of course, is that it doesn't scale. And it's not continuous. The moment the patient leaves the office, remember, they only retain about 10% of the information accurately. That's why we're seeing those, I think there's roughly about 20 million of those interactions per day, let's just say, right? Mm. Then we see the patient movement to Google, where there's a billion searches per day. So there's a massive gap. And so what we try to look at in conversational AI is how do we combine the best of both worlds? What's the power of the human conversation? which doesn't scale, unfortunately. And what's the power of technology, which is scalable and expert? And if you combine those two together, you actually get conversational AI. It's conversations at scale. And, of course, the conversation should have many of the uh, attributes of a human conversation, right? It should be empathetic. It it should be uh, understanding. It should be personalized. These are all things that we can now bring that you can't actually do with a digital solution. Sure, and we'll talk about how natural it should be a little bit later. Uh, But uh, and it's the other point I think you kind of you know will in in effect have answered it, and that's how much are you seeing the application of AI and other digital technologies across the pharmaceutical organization? You know, you mentioned a kind of uh, drug development is kind of a high point, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, So you know, at that time, you know, back in 2016 when this was kind of forming, I remember some people saying this is going to be transformative from a user experience perspective. You know, it's going to be a paradigm shift for the digital experience for consumers in general and for healthcare in particular. But you also had stories of AI-powered personal assistants such as X.AI that, as it turns out, were more human-powered than AI-powered. Have the algorithms caught up to the hype? You know, and what's still inflated or overhyped about this technology, would you say? Sure. So you know, first off, I'd say that not all bots are treated equal, and that really comes back to that discrete understanding of industry jargon that we were talking about before. If you try to use an NLU that's, say, applicable across all industries, if you ask it, how do I start? Are you asking about how do you start the interaction with the bot? Are you asking how do you start a patient on the medication? And so it's important to make sure that you're starting with the right bare bones of the technology. The other piece is that the 
the AI is, is fundamentally really important to understand what is uh, the, the jargon of your brand so it's able to scale up appropriately. Right. Yeah, so I think the fundamental shift really is the is the rapid expansion mm -hmm. of NLU capability, mm -hmm. right? So these engines and these algorithms every year obviously are growing very quickly. And so there are companies such as ours that because we specialize only in one area and that we play in the world of healthcare and specifically pharma, we've been able to drive our data sets so that we can be highly accurate. No user wants to ask a question of a bot and get a null answer. Mm -hmm. this, is, this ruins the experience. That's what happens in most cases, right? But if you build a, a bot properly and you can understand the utterance and you can match it up with a powerful conversation, uh, you can uh, typically answer accurately roughly around 90% of the time if you have the proper algorithms, mm -hmm. right? So I think we're, we're at that point now. So this mm -hmm. is the watershed. This is the tipping point, right? Okay. The AI okay. had to evolve. We're now at a point where it actually matches the use case of the consumer, the patient, or the doctor, mm -hmm. okay? And let's be also be very clear that those use cases are completely different. Mm -hmm. Doctors, when they go to bots, they're looking for something that's very clinical and at the moment, right? We're trying to resolve a clinical issue. Right. That means question takes place and you need to have the right answer. If it doesn't do that, the doctors are not going to be using this technology, right? Okay. But when it does work, it's incredibly powerful. You can imagine the use case of a doctor in his office and having a, um, a voice device or a skill available where he can ask a question, say, for example, about switching a patient. This is a, uh, 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 an experience that is um, uh, taking place while you may be do other, doing other activities, right? So this is a very powerful collaborative moment where pharma can now provide you with an instantaneous answer that resolves your clinical need and allows you to move forward in your clinical day. So it's an instantaneous uh, activity. Mm -hmm. Consumers and patients are not like that, right? When they ask a question, you're going to be engaging them on an ongoing basis. They about might not that. know the question they need to ask. And, they no, might no. Kind of well, if, and if they don't ask another question, we're going to make sure that we initiate another conversation with them at that moment, right? So mm -hmm. what's the next best conversation to follow on after you've had that, uh, that, that question asked? Because that tells you something about your patient. Sure, we know sure. where they are on their journey. We may be able to assess sure. their health literacy. Course, yeah. There's a lot we can glean from the utterance. And at the end of the first conversation, we can then initiate another conversation with them. And of course, once we've established the conversation, all conversations are ongoing. That's the powerful thing about a conversation. And so once we've established or initiated, then we can start to actually push or initiate conversations with our patient along their journey. So just like you're using messaging now, sometimes you will start a message with a friend or colleague. Sometimes they will start that conversation or initiate the conversation with you. And that's probably one of the most powerful aspects of conversational AI, the ability for the bot to initiate a conversation, the right conversation with the patient at the right point in their journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's so important because one thing we've learned is that, and we, we all know, uh, patients don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And there are certain conversations as a healthcare professional I would initiate with my conversation with my patients at certain points, and especially if I could communicate with them 24-7, right? There's a certain point I'm going to want to start a conversation that I know that that conversation will actually drive patient activation, patient adherence, patient sure. outcome. Right. right, but the patient's not going to ask me that question. I have to be able to initiate with them. And so, part of our work in our taxonomy, or building out that library of conversations, as Lexi said, is we have to identify of that 400 conversation set which ones are we going to push to our patients? Because the odds are they will not ask that question. Right. Okay, well, let's get to some of the work that you're sure. doing. You've installed these for several clients. What kind of chatbots are you creating for them, and, and what's most popular? And can you talk about some of the, the use cases there? Sure. So we're really seeing use cases across commercial, medical, clinical trials, and more. 
uh, going back to the point of this really being something that is able to address every customer touch point in every channel and every market, really to see its true power. Fundamentally, if you think about outcomes in healthcare or in even the pharmaceutical industry, it really filters down to a conversation, whether that's between, say, a sales rep and a physician, a nurse and a patient. And so one of the powers of the technology is that it's not creating any new interactions. It's reducing the friction of the interactions we're seeing today. So with that, a lot of the early use cases we've seen are, say, in the medical communications field to be able to supplement medical science liaisons or med info personnel. One really good example of that uh, in a client of ours who's happy for us to, to be able to share broadly is the Ask Merck platform, mm-hmm. where you can simply go on and rather than shift through product monographs or different resources that are available, ask your question about Merck and receive an answer. We're also seeing a lot of really interesting traction on... And I'm sorry, that Lexi, that's targeted toward uh, sales or HCPs, right? Healthcare professionals, yes, right, exactly. Okay, and so this is where also there's a lot of really interesting applications in that virtual sales rep uh, mm-hmm. field that you were talking about before, too, where... Going back to your comment about, is it really a human behind this or is it a bot? One of the pieces that we always encourage pharma to consider is what should you have a bot answer and what should you have a person answer? Because this is where in the taxonomy of say four to 500 different intents, you fundamentally are building a business rule behind each of those. So whether it's the bot that's answering it or maybe there's a couple different questions that you find are necessary to be able to impact outcomes, that might be something you want to escalate to a human or that you might want to, say, have a nurse and a patient support program be able to call uh, a patient to be able to see how they're doing if they're showing signs of not being adherent. So those are really some of the use cases we're seeing more on the commercial side to be able to uh, bring awareness, education around uh, a condition or be able to answer questions about a brand. And then clinical trials is another area that we're seeing a lot of really interesting applications, not only from, say, being able to recruit potential patients for a phase three or phase four trial, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. also be able to demystify the protocol, be able to answer, uh, be that kind of supportive bot or virtual assistant across the entire program, whether it's from the patient side or the investigator side. Hmm, Really, there's no limit to to the applications of this technology. Mm -hmm. What about like in terms of uh, diagnosing, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of on the front lines, uh, kind of a consumer facing diagnostic tool? So we we stay away from that. I mean, there's lots of bots out there uh, Mm -hmm. that are there to do diagnostic, right? And so Mm -hmm. they're, because it's largely an algorithmic model, right, which you can be really, really good at. But at the end of that journey for patients, they're always going to be told to talk to their doctor, right, or Mm -hmm. seek medical confirmation. We do use those types of algorithms in self-assessments when we try to get consumers to understand the condition and potential treatments. Uh, So that's that's where we would typically uh, see those. Mm -hmm. I think just maybe to build a little bit on what Lexi was saying, uh, you know, one of the key um, areas that we've moved into very quickly has been into that medical information uh, area, right? So we're seeing, in many cases, we're now doing full enterprise solutions where we're doing all of their products across that level. And really, it's a physician focus, right? So how do we open up and provide that level of MSL experience to a doctor 24-7, on-demand, bite-sized, snackable information? That's Mm -hmm. typically text, and now we're moving uh, in many of these enterprise solutions into voice. So Mm -hmm. recognizing that they can now open up a new channel, voice, right? which is key. So it's like any business transformation. How do you take this new technology, right? How do you drive efficiency? 
How do you drive customer delight? And in many cases for pharma, efficiency means, uh, let's say, optimizing their human uh, capital. And right? that, so that might live on an on Alexa or Google personal assistant or Siri and, or, or text or a, that could be or on, a car, on a website, right? Any, on a car, yeah. and you have a proprietary platform that's kind of behind a lot of this. Right. So software. I think that, you know, pharma spends obviously a lot of money, you know, driving value to their doctor on information. Now they can take all of those great assets that they have and make them available right. on demand. And that's really one of the key things that we've seen actually with pharma is that, you know, pharma has spent so much money creating great assets, right, invested and created great content, right? And so a lot of what we do is taking great content and we conversationalize it, right? And that's kind of a key thing, right? We, yeah. we always tell right. people that we're moving right. away from a world of content to a world of conversation. Pharma has content. Our job is to make it human, human-like, approachable, right? And so that's really sense. important. Yeah. And so where does, where does pharma have a lot of content? Well, they have a lot of digital properties now. Right, so the expectation that a consumer or a patient or doctor will come to your website and go searching through that website to find that piece of information, that large piece of content, and you know search through that to find that one nugget of information is not really a, 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 an ask you can uh, consumers want now. But they might be able to download a skill for Alexa or something. That they well, can no, use make it even easier. Or... Then, when the moment you hit that website, you know you, the mm-hmm. you should have an option. Yeah, you can go searching through our website, or you can or you simply can... ask the bot. Got it. And so we literally tell all of our clients moving into this, you know, into this new world, what are your digital touch points now? How can we take those and actually optimize them to so we can move away from a world of search to a world of ask? So the customer hits page, ask question. Yes, we're going to answer that question. And of course, we can always deep link them into the website or we can buy, provide additional resources or we can actually amplify the experience by connecting them into a sales rep or providing lots of other ancillary okay. services or as Lexi would often say, you know, the ability to move them off to a human as well in the mm-hmm, appropriate mm-hmm. use case. Now, are there restrictions on places where you can't have this kind of technology and then, you know, is it hard to get these kinds of uh, technolo- technological initiatives approved within such a restrictive industry? Mm-hmm. So there are a couple different pieces to consider when it comes to getting it approved or what channels you can make it available in. And fundamentally, the same rules that apply to a number of your other digital tactics and strategies also apply to chatbots, looking at, say, social media campaigns as a bit of a precedent towards how adverse events are managed, product complaints, and others. And so... First off, it's important to have a technology that's able to meet all of those requirements, whether it's proper data management, sensitivity to personal health information, AEs and others, and then the other pieces meeting the requirements of each individual pharma company. They're all going to have different interpretations on how the rules are actually managed, and so that mm-hmm. kind of filtering is really important. In terms of the channels that you can, from a technology perspective, make the bot available on, this is where whether it's a chatbot on a website or a voice skill on your Alexa, the technology is inherently the same. In fact, if you open Siri on your phone and ask it a question, you'll see it starting to type out what you're saying, and this is called voice-to-text. Fundamentally, that's then translated through a conversational AI agent to be able to provide that appropriate approved response. Now, what's important to consider is that the way you speak versus the way you write is different, and so you need to have data sets that are able to understand how what those nuances are in each channel and also respect the format of response you'd give in voice where you can't rely on visual elements or visual cues to be able to prompt say the next response mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay and then and those data sets are really exciting because you know what we see is that the way consumers patients and doctors engage with bots um, you know as you launch more of these into market you're just growing your data sets and so what we see is our clients uh, liking that ability to do an enterprise solution because you get that network effect the way a doctor will engage around 
one brand and two brands and three brands. That's just adding more and more data uh, into your in, into your arsenal. And so this massive network effect is why I think conversational AI is going to see rapid explosion in pharma. When you build these solutions, they scale very quickly across, as like you said, stakeholders and brands and markets, and they're all helping to train each other. Right? So when you launch a bot, you want to launch it ideally as an adult, but you can still train it more and more and more and more. It gets better and better and more and more accurate. And for and us, it, lear it learns as it goes. It learns more information on every in. interaction, right? It's because truly cognitive. Every utterance is going to be is different, right? And mm -hmm. so what we always say is, you may have a conversation or a topic. The way a patient will ask the question to get to that topic, there may be hundreds of thousands of utterances that will lead to that one intent, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, the, that's where the NLU comes in. And I think one of the powerful things is we've, that we've done is by building our platform to resolve all of these issues, that's the magic, right? The ability to understand all of these unique constraints of pharma and healthcare allows our clients to kind of venture into this marketplace. Sure, sure. Okay, real quick because we're running yeah. out of time. Sure. But, uh, give us a glimpse of the future. You know, where, where do you see this technology going next? Uh, wow, uh, that, that's a tough one. I mean, the, the kind of the sky is, you know, it, it's an open sky opportunity, right? Because I think that the key thing is that as it gets better and better and better, I don't think we're moving to a world where we're looking for conversational AI to in any way replace doctors or replace MSLs or, or even to replace sales reps. It's there to actually complement, right? There are certain things that bots do really, really, really well, right? Things that humans can't do. But there are things that humans can do right now that bots are nowhere near doing. And so I think it's one of these opportunities where it's a, a one plus one equals three. And the best outcome here is when we actually combine these together. So I think as a physician, I think the opportunity to have a bot uh, work in collaboration with me to manage my patient on a journey is a very powerful opportunity. The opportunity is, uh, for me as a physician to now have a relationship with pharma, which is on my terms and fully 100% value driven. That's not a push. It's literally a pull opportunity where they're meeting my need at that moment, to me, kind of redefines the entire relationship, right? It's now pharma on my terms, less marketing, all about clinical outcomes, patient support, patient mm -hmm. outcome. For me, it's a, it's, it's a transcendental or transcendent type of technology that's, it's so human. And of course, it's based upon the fact, and I may have mentioned this earlier, but maybe not, that, you know, when I engaged with pharma when I was practicing, those moments with my sales reps and MSLs were magical moments as well. Right when they were there to answer my questions and my needs, wow, that was a great pharma company experience right. at that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You felt the interaction was was worthwhile because you got what you were looking for, which, which, is, which is what all users want. Exactly right. right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So right. I, I see a big future, but yeah. not one where AI is replacing or eliminating sure. humans. It's making right. us better as physicians, better as MSLs, better as sales reps, sure. better as pharma companies. Right. We none of us want to see the, the doctor you know replaced by by a, by an android, uh, but we like the, the idea of the doctor <laughs> having the you know. The the AI at his at her or her side to like augment the decision making 100%. process. Yes. And yeah. I think to that point as well, digital therapeutics is something that's mm -hmm. been getting a lot of increased attention, both from I think an application and commercial perspective, as well as uh, within the FDA and, and other regulatory body agencies where we're starting to recognize the impact that a technology can have on patient outcomes, where you know, there might be a use case in the future where when an HCP is prescribing a treatment, they might supplement that with a conversational AI program mm. so that you're able to, to John's point earlier, not just remember, say, 10% of the, the mm -hmm, <laughs> information that was exchanged in That's the room. That's a really good point. Yeah, but have a reliable yeah. resource to ans ask those questions and engage with a patient along their journey. Right. And, and, right. and you know, yeah. key on that is, you know, we do have patient programs now for, you know, a lot of the more expensive drugs, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing programs. So how do we actually virtualize those and make them available for all, you know, mm -hmm. all drug categories and no matter what the price, right? So literally it's having that nurse 
educators support with you 24-7, of course that's going to be better than just the molecule alone, right? So sure. it's a, the drug plus AI is going to be a very powerful driver of outcome. Right, right. yeah, it's a nice wraparound service. And, uh, you know, it's from the doctor's perspective, it certainly beats, you know, the personal sales rep showing up at the office with a trunk full of brochures and, you know, their idea of personalizing the sale was, okay, I'm going to take this brochure, you know, for this so, particular So that would work so, really well <laughs> if I had 36 reps sitting right. outside of my hallway, right? right, all the time. That can't happen, right? Just to kind of finalize that note then, you know, when you do put a voice device into a doctor's office, literally, it's like you have an MSL from every pharma company you know, that's leveraging voice in your office, yes. just listening in, waiting for you to ask a question about their brand or how to support their patients 24-7. Yes. It's kind of a, yeah. a nice new world. It is. It's truly tran transcendent, as yes. you said, from a uh, interaction, ex user experience point of view and a marketing collateral point of view as Absolutely. well. So, all right, so we're a little bit over, but let's get <laughs> to the lightning round here because I really want to find out who you read every day. So, like, who wants to take this one? Yikes. Lexi What's on your probably daily reading reads more list? than me. Uh, it, because it's such an early, uh, we're early into this horizon, there's yeah. not a lot of great places to go uh -huh. to learn about this, to be quite honest, right? And so for me, I just tend to curate. I use, uh, whether it be Medium or just LinkedIn, where mm -hmm. everyone's kind of, you know, hitting us. You with, do see data scientists once in a while writing on Medium, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely, yeah. right? But there are no kind of traditional publication points where they're putting stuff out in most cases, yes, right? right? And so right. really, you have to be a bit of a, a searcher to find information mm -hmm. or leverage these kind of uh, curation engines to get you the great stuff. Sure, sure. Right. So that's yeah. typically what I do. Lexi, what do you look at? I'd say I'm that sorry. I typically okay. look outside of healthcare-specific resources uh -huh. to see what's being used in customer service, what's being used in the financial industry that are a little bit of ahead of healthcare as a whole mm -hmm. in terms of this technology, whether that's Chatbots Life, VentureBeat, uh, TechCrunch, and other mm -hmm. technology-specific resources. Wired. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of really interesting mm -hmm. tools and technologies available for other industries that we then look to see how can you apply this to healthcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And who are the smartest people in data science today, who do you think? Well, we're really lucky to actually be a Canadian company because a lot of the grandfathers of AI are sitting right in our backyard, whether that's Joshua Bengio or Jeffrey Hinton, that was one of the founders of hmm. the Vector Institute, which is out of the same building that our office is in. There is some really amazing research that has been developed in Canada, and you're starting to see a lot more of the commercialization of that research not mm -hmm. only from Conversation Health, but from other companies coming out of Toronto and Canada. Cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'll keep our eye north of the border. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So that, that yeah. kind of deals with a lot of the technology parts of, uh, of the conversational AI world, but there's also the conversation side, right? That's, you know, one half of the equation. We didn't spend too much time on that. That's dramatically changing over time. And so you can look at different places where you're seeing experts pop up in conversational UX, right? How do you create great conversations? How do you design the interfaces for those? One of the guys I, I, I like to listen to and follow is Jason Brenier. Uh, Jason comes out of a, a, um, a company or um, a VC in Toronto called uh, Georgian Partners. Really, really smart linguist by, uh, by background hmm. who really is looking at where this kind of conversational UX experience is taking us. And that, that to me is the, the most exciting thing because as we make it more human, uh, we have to make sure that experience actually meets the need of a user. And I think we're hmm. seeing some great examples. And as Lexi said, typically in other verticals, but we want to bring those into healthcare. Sure, cool. And we're out of time. One last question. I know, John, you're a big uh, Raptors fan, but Lexi, what do you do to unwind? <laughs> Uh, well, John likes to make fun of how much I enjoy skiing and that I will take any okay. opportunity to go. So, All right. uh, 
lots of re- great opportunities in Canada for that. <laughs> I'm sure, yes, especially this time of year. And, and by the way, we're still unwinding from last year's win. I hate to yes. rub that in, uh, but it's until next year. You're, you're a ways away from your Enjoy retirement. it while Enjoy lasts. it while lasts. It's yes. a full year of enjoyment. Yes, Thank absolutely, you. absolutely. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Okay, so uh, thanks, thanks so much, John and Alexis. It's really been a pleasure it's chatting with you about this, about conversation. Uh, conversational AI uh, and uh, that'll do it for today um, this has been Mark Yuskowitz uh, at MMM signing off we'll see you next time on the MMM podcast <laughs>